My name is Alex Elise, uh, real estate investor extraordinaire, and I don't know if you watched my YouTube this week, but I am quickly on my way to becoming YouTube famous. Uh, I, I watched your uh, your workout, if that's what you're referring to. Uh, yeah, I did a workout video with uh, my friend Shelby, like out of the blue. We just were walking down the street, and I brought my GoPro, and then I came home and edited it, and I was like, damn, this came out good. And I uh, gave me a bit of confidence, actually, and then I posted another video. Well, actually, I haven't released it yet, about a young lady named Brittany Campbell in my town who's a local business owner, and we did some video content for her because quarantine boredom. And But I felt so empowered, man. I felt so confident that these went well. So now I'm going to... Well, I don't want to talk about it too much, but I'm going to spend a lot more time on video, doing video work over the next few weeks. I got some big prize plan. I I feel that I've produced. Uh, I normally do three videos a week, and I've done four or five for the last two weeks. Four four extra Corona related virus videos. Then, like I said yesterday, I just randomly decided to film a walkthrough of me applying for a loan, and uh, yeah, so it's it's been good. Nice. I had one of my, my flips close, the buyer delayed until May 1st. Mm. No, not ideal. Yeah, that's not ideal. I closed one Friday, although I, you know, I, it was the one I lost money on, but hey. Yeah, I'm making money, so I'm mad. <laughs> I mean, if you're losing money, you want to get it, you want to get, well, you always want to get it sold as fast as possible, but at least you don't have to sit there going, I got to wait another month to lose money. That's worse. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I got it closed. So between that and tax return and stimulus and potential $10,000 SBA grant, I'm going to have plenty of cash sitting around. To, I mean, I could ride this wave without a single penny from a tenant for the next year. So without touching my cash reserves, which is a nice feeling. Oh, you might have to put that the test. <laughs> well, that's true. Tell me about our guest today. Who are we talking to? All right, so this is Stuart Scheller. He is a active duty Marine, and I ran into him because he filmed a YouTube video. Let me pull it up, make sure that I... So he filmed a video on uh, why we need to start embracing active duty military members, learning about entrepreneurship and, and leaning into entrepreneurship and how it could help with uh, suicide rates and other initiatives and, and stuff like that. And I, I honestly can't remember who it was that sent me the video, but I went and watched it and I really liked what he was saying. And then I checked out his little business or his, his business and I was like, yep, yep, yep. So I reached out and ta-da. So we're going to have him on the show and talk. Uh, it's a pretty cool business. Uh, it's very ingenuitive and I'm going to probably be buying some of his products later on. Uh, towards ball season so uh, we'll get into that as the show progresses but uh it's just cool to always be able always cool to be able to talk to another uh, active duty guy especially a marine well for me maybe not as cool for you but yeah <laughs> i well i lump us all together i don't think that troops are that different so yeah, it's because you're not a marine but i am excited to talk to you always a, a fellow <laughs> sounds good well let's get into it You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. What's up, guys? Today, I wanted to stop and sponsor my own podcast by myself, which is a little cheesy, to tell you about the course that I'm launching called From Zero to One real estate investing for beginners. Now, this is not a course to help you get rich fast. This is not a course to promise you to make a bajillion dollars, but this is the course 
that will help you get from zero rental properties to one rental property. It is designed to get you through your first purchase. Everything you need to know to get you through that step with support from myself, obviously via email and whatever, so that we can talk and I can help answer some of those questions for you. And it is extremely affordable right now because I'm launching it for only 97 bucks, which given the amount of content in there and the testimonials I got from the people who tested it beforehand, I am super on the low end for that price, but I'm going to probably have to bump it up in a little while but for now to test the waters and see exactly how many people i'm able to help with this i want it to be extremely affordable because i want to help service members and veterans get their feet in the water so if you are interested in learning about rental properties and you just want to learn how to get your first one and then there are some bonus episodes in there to help you advance past that but if you really just want to know everything you need to know to buy your first property without screwing yourself over this is the course for you. Go ahead and check it out. The link will be down below in the show notes and back to your episode. Hey, what's up everybody? It's Dave and Alex from the Military Millionaire Podcast. And we are here today with Stuart Scheller, who is an active duty Marine currently working at MARSOC. And he is the owner and inventor of the Perfect Ribbon. Uh, I ran into Stuart uh, at, because of a video I found online. And I just had to reach out and talk. So uh, here we are. Stuart, thanks for joining us today. Hey, excited to be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, why don't you give a little background on uh, what it is and uh, that what sparked the video that I saw? Yeah, so the Perfect Ribbon is a company. We make a product that's in the military uniform accessory market. It basically allows service members that have devices that they attach to military ribbons. Makes it a whole lot easier. You can check it out at theperfectribbon.com. We got videos and social media that will explain the device a lot better. But we launched it in January last year, not really knowing what we had, and we. It caught fire, um, quickly ramped up our production capability. We got into a major retailer about uh, July last year, doubled the retail front about autumn of last year. And then this spring, we signed the deal for two more large retailers. Uh, we're about to put them in the stores. And then the whole COVID thing happened. So everything's kind of on pause there. But uh, bottom line is that the product is doing real well. And you can check it out online. Uh, as far as your question, the uh, the entrepreneurs in active duty, you know, the Perfect Ribbon is, I think, the company that I've gotten most well-known and, and notoriety for. Uh, but bottom line is it's opened doors for a lot of other opportunities. And, and as introduced, I'm an active duty Marine. And I just feel like active duty military uh, not only doesn't talk about embracing entrepreneurship, but sometimes it can be viewed as a negative. And I just think uh, embracing it would be much more beneficial for, you know, a lot of different reasons. And, and I go into it in the video. I've got a YouTube channel. My name's pretty unique, Stuart Scheller. Just go to my YouTube channel. You can check out that video. It's about five minutes explaining why I think it's so important. Uh, but I can, I can talk about that or, or whatever questions y'all have. Here's uh, Stuart, what's the product? You said the perfect ribbon. What is, what is the product that you're selling? Yeah, good question. Thanks, Alex. So, Bottom line is all military members that have ever, ever put a uniform together have a, a military ribbon. And then they buy these little attachments. So whether it's stars, oak leaves, V's, and they have to put it on the ribbon. And what happens is all the attachments come with this dual bracket backing. And so what most of us do is we cut off the backing with some nail clippers. And then we try and use tweezers or double-sided tape or some unique method to try and attach it to the ribbon. So what I actually sell is a mold. So once you cut the dual bracket backing off, you drop the attachments in this mold. We sell it for a bunch of varieties. Then all you got to do is 
put a piece of super glue on the back of it. The ribbon fits in perfectly. And then when you pull the ribbon out, it's centered and attached without you having to use double-sided tape or tweezers. I love this idea. Look, can I just, I'm, get, I'm so excited right now. Can I just tell you that there's an, there, I, I can't wait to see you expand because there's an entire market for, and as everybody knows, trying to get your class A's ready for inspection, right? By the, by the 16th of a millimeter or 16th inch in, um, sixth inch of all this stuff. So I just can, that's a fantastic um, opportunity. And I can just see the, the amount of mold, uh, uh, jigs you could make to fit all the stuff on your, on your, uh, to, to display all these things. So uh, that's a, that's a really good idea. I'm glad that that's worked out for you. Are you, can you sell them in, um, what's, it's been a long time since I was in the military. Can you sell them in the PS? Yeah. So we're in the Marine Corps exchanges globally. Um, the Navy exchanges is, is the one that we were moving into right when, uh, COVID hit. And then APES uh, is on my radar to be in by the end of this year was kind of my goal. Um, so bottom line is check in in a year and we'll be in all exchanges. I'm just haven't uh, not there yet. So uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm, this is actually fascinating. So uh, I have another question. Like I'm looking, I looked at you real quick. It looks like these are 3D printed. Is that correct? That, that is correct. So I don't want to get too deep into this, but. Uh, we've been all waiting for a while now, like manufacturing has been outsourced uh, for large objects, outsourced overseas, and 3D printing is supposed to be the thing where it democratizes manufacturing to some degree. Obviously, it's mostly small things, but this is a perfect fit. Is this the beginning of a larger social or uh, cultural movement towards manufacturing small stuff here? Maybe with a guy like you says, hey, I can 3D print these things. Maybe it's a, I mean, I know I'm making a big deal, like I'm making a really extrapolating, but this is, this to me is is the beginning of something big? No, it's, it's a great question. Uh, so let me start with, I'm an infantry guy. And if you'd asked me two years ago, what do you know about 3D printing? I'm like, I don't know anything about 3D printing. What do you know about 3D printing? So you go on Amazon and you can buy a 3D printer and you get the 3D printer and you're like, all right, now what do I do? Like, I don't know. And you're like, well, it takes filament so I can buy filament. Now what do I do? All right, well, I guess the 3D printer takes something called a CAD file. Well, how do I make a CAD file? Like, I don't know. So these are, I mean, I just want to set the stage with anyone can figure this out if I was able to figure this out. Now, there's a time, so I have a partner. My partner was able to get into some 3D modeling and figure out how to CAD. Uh, he's a little bit more tech savvy. But at the same time, like you can get all of this and you can outsource actually building the CAD file. And anyone that's interested can reach out to me. I, I've, through trial and error, figured out the best one to go to. And for a relatively cheap cost, you can get someone to CAD file and then you can print it out with your 3D printers this is all stuff that we're all smart enough to kind of figure out. Now, to your question, I have looked at injection molding. So, again, a guy figuring this out, I've gotten contacts in China. I've got contacts uh, across America. I've gotten quotes for injection molding. And uh, a couple of the CEOs that I've talked to, the advice they've got is scale until you can't scale anymore. Don't necessarily just jump to injection mold just because uh, everyone's telling you you need to do that. And so – to your point, right now, I've got 20 3D printers because I can scale until I can't scale anymore. And I, it's so much cheaper for me to print these things out. Now, there's a, there's a lot of trial and error and there's a lot of hard work that goes into that. You know, we had to figure out how do you, like all these simple things. How do you get the carbon off the 3D printer? We figured out that a lighter takes the carbon off so that the product looks clean. You know, what type of filament do you use? Um, all these different things that some people may want to just avoid but for us just the price point and i price it all out even large 3d print factories they charge you such an amount for labor that per unit cost that didn't make sense for me either like 
literally buying the printers and doing it myself made the most sense. And then when I was uh, looking for investors for the, uh, the perfect ribbon, everyone was like, Hey man, I don't know, like in five, 10 years, everyone's going to have 3d printers and scanners. And I was like, that's kind of a negative outlook because anything like you take a coffee cup, you could apply that logic to a coffee cup, like any type of accessory. Like if you're worried about the 3d printing kind of taking over your business, I say that's a valid concern, but it's really just not tapped into as much as it should be. And I don't know if shifting to injected mold is off, off my plate. Like I'm still talking about it. Um, when you go into these exchanges, back to the earlier question, you as an individual can't just put it in an exchange. You got to use what's called a distributor. And then there's like behind door deals with these distributors. And some of the distributors have their own in-house injection molding. So it may make sense for me with one of these larger distributors to have them injection mold it, package it and distribute it. And then I'm literally just playing email quarterback. Uh, but I have to make sure all the numbers make sense. And to your original point, yeah, uh, 3D printing has made sense for my business model as it is. I absolutely love that. And I love the fact that that's like super bootstrappable. Like you said, you can outsource the the CAD file. You can outsource a lot of it and you can just, you had one and then you had two and then maybe you had four. And yeah. I think that's really cool. I also just want to, uh, add to the fact that I love the idea of this product and I will be ordering these because I have ruined more ribbons and medals mounting stars and crap. Uh, and, and then the most frustrating thing is, is just like, you think it looks good <laughs> until you see it compared to something else. And you're like, <laughs> mine's not straight <laughs> or, <laughs> or it falls off or whatever. Um, and I have, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where not only is it super convenient and efficient and will save me time, which is like the most important thing in the world right now, but it also might not let me go insane. Um, cause man, I go cross-eyed with those, but it's also going to save you money because those things aren't cheap. No, a hundred percent. Um, it's great. Cause the product we have is really, it's, it's unique. I don't have any competitors. My competitors are people and probably the biggest one would be something like easy rack or a seamstress. And they're just so much more expensive. Um, where mine is, you know, and you can use it indefinitely one time purchase of 10 bucks for four variations. Um, the bottom line is, and I got a patent protected. So we've got a, we've got a really unique, cost-efficient product that's just, I think, selling itself right now. I love the fact that Stuart, in my, in my opinion, in my opinion, this has nothing to do with product and everything to do that's with the fact that Stuart found a need and then learned how to become a manufacturer. And so, you know, the perfect ribbon, I hate to say, you know, it's a neat little product, but I think your future is going to be in, uh, it seems to me that this is a one small little, like, oh, I found this little niche. It's like, well, what, when you find the next thing that you can print and distribute and what about the next thing? And then now you have, like, I think this is a opening for uh steward is now this is, this is for everybody who's sitting there going, should I sell? It's like, that's not really the right question. You need, do you need a product, but this is a great product. Doesn't mean that you can make money and distribute and create a business. Stuart basically found a thing and then said, I can make a business out of this. Now I'm not trying to spare the product because I think it's really neat, but we all know that's a really niche thing, but what you've created if you could find the next little, you know, whatever it is, the, the, the useful product, dude, you're laying the groundwork for something way bigger. And I, I, I know that I can see your face. Like I know you're not taking this the wrong way, but I can see how it may come off. Like, I don't need to spare this little thing, but I look at the you and I'm like, dude, Sky, this is like, this is like the catalyst for something way bigger. Because what about the next thing that you can 3D print that nobody knows that they always needed? And you're like, I can mass distribute it now. And you're going to be so far ahead of the game because like you said, yeah, injection blinger, yeah, distributors, blah, blah, blah. But 
Now, now you have 20 of these machines. What happens when you have 100? What happens when you're like, look, now I'm big enough. I can build some new mechanism that nobody else thought of to make the, the he, look, he's agreeing with me. He knows, he's already thought about all this. Yeah, I'm 100% <laughs> right, man. In fact, you know, one of my biggest mentors is my father. And uh, we've had this exact conversation because all the perfect ribbons has done is open up opportunities. Um, so, you know, I, the, there's a CEO of an organization called Sandbox. It's a S-A-N-D-B-O-X-X. And he helped me get into the Marine Corps Exchange. But he's one example of 100 millionaires that are I'm now getting in front of, getting FaceTime, and are, I've pitched a couple other ideas too. And they're like, I love it. I want it. And uh, you're 100% right, man. This has just kind of opened my eyes to opportunities that are out there. And, you know, and I, we were talking – I was reading the, the sheet you sent me, Dave, about uh, what would you do if a kid came up and asked you, like, what are your advice? Um, and this ties no, right to Alex's point. Uh, hey, yeah, I think yeah. I think the education system teaches you to be a professional, teaches you to be a lawyer, teaches you to be an accountant or a college professor, but doesn't teach you to be an entrepreneur. And I don't. And I think we celebrate um, working for someone else, but uh, just being an entrepreneur and seeing how um, you know it's a lot of hard work. But I think it's possible for a lot of people that are are willing to put in the hard work. There's opportunities all over the place, and. Uh, you're 100% right, Alex. Check in with me in five years, and this will be the stepping stone to three or four other things that I'm already leaning into now. Absolutely. Five years. Dude, I'm getting your email address. I'm going to invest in you. What are you talking about five years? <laughs> I'm going to talk to you after this. And, you know, in fact, actually, I'm so motivated right now. And in fact, in five years, my ass, I'm going to go buy a 3D printer, and then I'm going to teach you how to do this thing. That's about to happen. I, I was gonna say while while Alex was talking, you just got another order, so I I'm buying I'm buying some ribbons. But I agree. I think I don't think it's the ribbons that's the cool thing here. I think it's the fact that at one point, and I I need to go find. I have my journal from Afghanistan. I think that's where it is. At one point, and I'm pretty sure it was while I was deployed. I had a list going of my like million dollar ideas through the through the military haven't looked at it in years. And I'm sure some of those things, if I go in there right now, in fact, I know for a fact, because I can think of one right now, are now things, right? And I didn't do shit with it. And uh, that's the piece that's powerful here is how many people in the military have seen a like, wow, this is stupid. Why do we do this? Why don't we do this? Man, this is a dumb idea. Oh, wow. this. Why don't we do it this way? And then never done anything with it. And you found a need. You found an easy, I mean, this is a super simple solution. And you filled it. And it's clearly the, the market is rewarding the fact that you filled a simple need because it's working for you, which I think is yeah, the, the other thing cool. I'll, To your point, Dave, about all the good ideas, the hardest part for me in the beginning, uh, other than just some of the startup capital, is the patent process. I don't know if anyone's gone through that. If you file a utility patent, which we filed for the perfect ribbon, uh, a lawyer, you can get quotes. They're going to range from anywhere from eight to 15 grand. And before I knew what I had, like if, I, if I'd have known what I have now, back then I would have paid it. But at the time, I was like, this is a good idea. I don't know. I want to file for a utility. The bottom line is we had a friend of a friend, a lawyer, write it up, but she couldn't file it. Otherwise, we would have had to pay her firm the fee. So I filed it, and just filing the patent is like the DMV on steroids. So people talk about patent pending, but we didn't want to launch it. So there's two hurdles. When you submit it, as soon as you submit it, it's patent pending. But what they do is they review it and make sure that it's administratively correct. And if it's not, they take it back. And if it falls out of the chute, now it's exposed. And if you put your product out in the market, people can claim that they saw the idea before it's patent pending or patent protected. So what you want to do is make sure that it's administratively correct before they push it to the examiner before you launch your product. 
And just that process, they kicked it back to me six times. There's like 10 days each time that that mail process happens to the point where it expired. I had to file for an extension. I went into the patent office, sat down with people and they're like, yeah, it's correct. It still got kicked back because I didn't cross a T or dot an I. I was calling hotlines. Uh, but the bottom line is, if you're willing to just, I think most people just give up in that process. If you just look at yourself and say, I'm not going to give up. Like, they're not going to defeat me. Like, I'm going to get this through. And eventually we did. It took me four months. Um, but I guess there's another hurdle. Like, all these good ideas, you, you can get defeated by the process. But if you stick with it, it, it you can get through it. It sounds like the uh, military gave you the perfect training required for That's filing right. that paperwork. Hey, man, file <laughs> like for re-enlisting. benefits and you're going to experience the same thing, right? It's like a person that's willing to sit there and engage it. Shoot. Uh, there's a larger point, though, about, um, you know, people think that we say these, these things are hard. And I, well, I have a little joke to say about everything in life that everything's so easy. And it's kind of a little bit of a jab because I can't help myself. But also, you know, I find that Things that seem difficult, they're not really that difficult in the event, uh, in the in the effort. It's more tenacity to just stick with it past what everybody else would give up. And so the military is kind of like that, right? It's like it's basic hard, not for a second, right? But you just want to give up. They just want you to make, they want to, they make you just want to give up the whole time. So all you got to do is just say, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep, you just can't turn me off. And so to your point with the four months, like I'm sure it's grueling, stressful, and annoying, da, da, da. it's like, man, if you just... If you stay in it, it's almost everything you possibly could want in this world will happen if you just, you know, like a water and erosion. You just keep at it, man, and you're gonna, it's going to form the way you want. So it's about four months and uh, like all the stress and same thing with, you know, buy houses and whatnot. It's like, oh, you know, the clothes takes so long in the process. But look, if you just say, I'm not going to give up no matter what, there's no possible way unless you physically stop me, I'm not going away. They will succeed every time. Agreed. 100%. Hey guys, today's show sponsor is Rentometer. Now, Rentometer, for those of you not familiar, is a phenomenal tool to help you understand what you can get for rent in your market. Now, I've done some pretty extensive articles and YouTube videos on just this company because I love them and I absolutely love everything their app does because it will break down not only what your property could rent for based on just the zip code, the size and the, the address, neighborhood, whatever. It'll give you comps and it'll even let you with the pro membership, which you can get some free trials of, it will let you pull up pictures of the actual houses that are competitive to you. So you can look at it and see, okay, well, if there's rents for a thousand and I'm looking at theirs and theirs is better, well, then I might be able, I might have to go 950. But if I'm looking at their property and mine's nicer, maybe I can go 1050. I'll tell you what, the Rentometer membership will pay for itself within the first month of adjusting a property's rent in most cases because it's not very expensive and I have seen people be able to charge $50, $200 more in rent just by understanding their market and their property. So definitely look into Rentometer. I will leave a link down in the description if you're interested. It's no cost at all for you to play around with it and it will save you or make you tons and tons of money. So rentometer.com now back to this episode now that we've uh absolutely just um i don't know put put your entire process on a pedestal which is awesome what uh let's talk a little bit more about the the video and your thoughts on uh entrepreneurship in the military and why it shouldn't be uh i don't want to say discouraged because it's not necessarily discouraged but there's kind of a stigma and i and it, and it really depends i mean i've noticed the stigma of 
you know, people just not, uh, not appreciating the fact that you're trying to work on something successful. So they just kind of like isolate you because, Oh, you're Mr. Millionaire or whatever. And I've also noticed the stigma of like, well, how could you possibly maintain your job if you're doing something else? Well, just cause I'm working on something in my, you know, after hours doesn't mean that I'm like, I don't even have a cell phone in my office. So how could I really be focused on it while I'm here? But, uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on that and talk through that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that question. Um, and honestly, your group was one of the first ones that I found that promoted the military going out there to millionaire. That's why I've been following you. But I'm also involved in a bunch of other, really, they're veteran entrepreneur organizations. And they, they give wordplay to active duty, but it's not really there. And so I think everyone acknowledges the transition from military to uh, civilian life is difficult. And evidence of this is the thousands of veteran organizations that are out there. And you can find some that are private-based. You can find some that are government-based. The bottom line is when you look deeper into these organizations, none of them target the active duty military member. And when I bring this up, people are always like, well, yeah, they do. But all, it always starts nine to six months from transition, right? Boost the businesses for the transition. So they, they target them on the bookend, but they don't target a guy that's been in for five years that wants to do 20. They don't target a guy that has no end in sight. He just wants to be a military member. There's no organization targeting him. And so that's the first thing. Like, I think there needs to be more inroads from all these veteran organizations. But when you talk to these CEOs, um, I've talked to a couple of them and I ask them like, Hey, here I am. I'm an active duty guy. I'm out here doing it. Why am I having to seek you guys out? Why aren't you coming into my organization and finding me? And they always say the same thing. Hey, when we talk to the senior military leaders, their number one concern is war fighting capability. And we're seen as a, a detractor from that. And so they don't really allow us to get in there and talk to people the way that you would want us to. And so I thought about that. And I think senior military leaders have it wrong as well. Um, I say that, um, and I, and I want to just round it out with, hey, I think the military leaders are, are some of the, the greater leaders in the world. I, I truly uh, enjoy being in the military. But the way I liken this specific situation to is, is college education. When I came in 15 years ago, College education was seen as a detractor, the same thing. Like if you did a, if you were enlisted going for a bachelor's or if you were an officer going for a master's, you did it in secret. Otherwise, your fitness report or whatever your evaluation was, was almost knocked down because you weren't fully committed to your job. And that script has flipped in the last 15 years to where now not only is it fully embraced, but it's almost like you have to do it to get promoted to set yourself apart. Because even though there's not a direct causality to warfighting capability, senior leaders see it as an overall enhancement to the mission because, you know, there's a better person, a better educated person. But that movement hasn't started with entrepreneurship. And what I would submit is entrepreneurship, and you can even expand that to say like credentials for certain jobs. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. You don't, you may not be able to open a franchise restaurant, but you could go to culinary school in your off hours. You could develop a business plan. There's a lot of ways to lean into this. Uh, but the bottom line is senior leaders uh, look at that and they say, hey, why aren't you fully committed to your job? And there's a stigma. Um, my boss just the other day, because, you know, I was trying to keep the perfect ribbon under wraps uh, just because for all the reasons I'm discussing, he made a comment uh, about the perfect ribbon. And it was kind of like it was up for interpretation of what his perspective was on that. Right. Because it, It's seen as if I may be out there doing something that's not fully committed to the job. And I just, you know, I work my butt off at work. And I do everything for the perfect ribbon between the hours of 7 p.m. and 2 a.m. So, uh, you know, I, I, I take offense to that, but that's just kind of the world we live in. And that's not just military specific. If you were in a corporate job, too, that would be the same way, right? If you 
have one other peer and you're both competing for the same promotion and you do the same work, but one guy is seen after hours to be, you know, doing something else that's not work related and he talks about it and people are talking to him about it. He may just be perceived by his boss as not fully committed to the job. So I don't think it's military specific, but in terms of military, the reason why I think it's so important we engage it is because these military members build up in their head this false reality of getting out, how getting out is going to be so great. I see it all the time. Man, I don't want to get up at 530. I can't wait till I get out. Man, I don't want to PT every day. I can't wait till I get out. And then they get out and it's maybe not as great as they thought. You know, their reality is here and their expectations were here. And this, it just creates this um, negative cycle, this depression, where I would submit if we built some type of credentials or entrepreneurial thing beforehand, it would give them some type of cushion on the backside. And the other thing I'll say is building a business, it takes a long time to generate money. You know, you're not going to step into being an entrepreneur and all of a sudden be wealthy. Uh, the Perfect Ribbon is doing very well. And I'm a year and a half in and I'm still taking these, these big checks that I'm getting and putting it back in the company to grow the scale. Um, so, you know, just to say you're going to walk out and be an entrepreneur, I think is misleading as well. So for all these reasons, I just think veteran organizations need to do a better job engaging active duty military, not just the ones that are transitioning. And I think military leaders need to have this conversation more about how they can get their members to go out and be successful entrepreneurs. And you touched on a lot of things there that I are great. And I totally agree with, and I just wanted to, I don't, I don't agree with all of it. I got yeah. Well, all right. Well then let me finish my conversation first and you, I'm going to mute you. Uh, so the, the one thing that, so I've said this for a while now and people always look at me like I'm just a, a total jerk. Um, like the whole 22 a day, the whole suicide thing that's going on with veterans. And I have been for a long time under the impression uh, after having read uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, uh, Tipping Point, where it talks about like the one guy, well, anyway, um, where I think that us publicizing it is not doing nearly as much good as people want it to. But I think that the reality is that the hardest part for people, and I haven't transitioned yet, but what I first saw when I was talking to people was the change of like, I have this great life purpose to who am I? Um, like losing an identity, losing a purpose is what I feared the most when I was getting out. So by starting this whole thing, I have a purpose. It, whether I'm in the military or not, I still have this. And I will, that, that was kind of like part of my reason once I started going for actually trying to build this was like, oh, wow, like I have a purpose that will help me with this, this, and this. So it, you know, when I transition, it, it's, I'm not going to say it'll be easy. I have no idea what to expect, but at least I have something to fall back on where I don't totally lose my identity. So I, I think that point that you were making as far as helping the transition is, is I think that's valuable. I think that will literally save lives. Appreciate that. I think both those points, um, what you said David about having a, in literary terms, would be called modernism, the grand narrative. You're part of a bigger um, effort, the American, you know, the American story or, you know, America, you know, part of the American movement, whatever. And, so, and I, I do agree that it gives people purpose. And then when you get out, sometimes people have a purpose to be part of. Entrepreneurship is kind of the opposite, where it's like you design your own purpose, you lead in front. And so I, I, I like, I think it's important to know, though, just to be um, a, of a cynic here, I think it's important to realize that when you say, hey, the, the, the top leadership in the military doesn't really want people to be focusing on other things, really what they don't want is for you to have some purpose other than serving military, which is what they're saying, right? Because as soon as you're like, I don't, I'm doing my own thing, then you, I do agree. Like entrepreneurship takes um, individuality and breaking of system. It's kind of antithetical 
to the military. Um, I'm not saying that you're wrong, like in terms of, I agree with what your purpose is. Like, hey, look, get these people ready now. Get them ready. I agree, purposely. Uh, specifically, I agree with that, but I do, I think it's important to emphasize why that's a problem because I believe those, those, those um, paths for the military, the military perspective is counter to their goals, which is get people to relist and believe the system. Yeah, I don't know if we necessarily disagree on this point. I think we see it a little bit differently. Uh, bottom line is you're right. The senior military leader's purpose is warfighting capability and getting people, uh, the right people to re-enlist or, and stay in. Um, I would just submit that building skill sets, whether it's entrepreneurship skill sets or business-related skill sets that aren't directly tied to what they do in the military, to get them to embrace those, I think would create a better person in the military. Um, now, if, if that leads to a mass exodus, I guess that's the concern. Now, all these people are having really successful businesses because they're all talented people. They're going to get out. Um, maybe that's a concern, but you know, what's the flip side, not embracing them to go do things. And we have more people that have committed suicide since 2008 than currently that served in the Vietnam war. I mean, it's out of control. If you just pull the stats on veteran suicide, uh, and there's all these initiatives, but no one's talking about specifically what we're talking about, the causality of giving them entrepreneurial or business-related skill sets while serving uh, to allow that cushion on the backside to develop that purpose. And I honestly think it would create a better person in the military. So yes, senior military leaders are concerned about re-enlistment and you know, having the, the warfighting capability uh, be as high as it can, but I, I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. Yeah, I'm not trying to say that um, I necessarily agree. Just I just kind of wanted to make it said loud because I, I agree with your position. First, not everybody's going to become an entrepreneur. It's an individual. It's a very highly specific individual trait in and of itself. So not going to get mass ownership. Those, those, are, those are also hypothetical. So I generally agree with you. Um, and that's, hey, look, I'm part of this podcast for that exact reason. It's like, you know, when I got out, it was, you know, three weeks of here's how to transition out of the military and do your resume when really it should be, like you said, it's like, look, this should be a lifelong process of getting people to believe in their ability to create their own life once that time is right. And you should start immediately. I, do, you, do you have a website for that? No, man. I, I, all I did was post that video. So honestly, that kind of like we were talking about earlier, the perfect group been opening up these opportunities. I got invited to an organization called Bunker Labs to be the keynote speaker. And uh, basically instead of talking, I didn't talk about the perfect ribbon at all. I just talked about that uh, for 30 minutes. And, um, and then I came back and made a video and posted it to YouTube. But um, honestly, I just started kind of pushing that initiative the turn of the year, so January, February. So we're pretty recent in uh, me talking about this. Um, but no, I don't have a separate website for that. Let us know if we can help. Yeah, Bunker Labs is, is cool for sure. Uh, I have a... I guess more Marine Corps question for you, just on a, a personal question. And uh, I'm curious as to your thoughts and obviously we can't probably can't get into specifics, but on the uh, commandant's new directives, like what he's trying to change, maybe not on the, the force stuff, but I'm just curious. So there is a lot of backlash that I'm hearing throughout uh, Marines that I work with in regards to what he's trying to do and well i'll let you i'm curious what your thoughts are before i answer but i, I would imagine we kind of uh yeah it's, so marine corps is more resistant to change than i think any other organization and it's it's funny because they talk about how versatile and flexible they are uh, but try and change something in the marine corps like the sleeve rolling thing 
we tried to change the sleeve ruling thing and everybody lost their minds and now I'm back to rolling my sleeves because you know we just we couldn't apply common sense to that one um but well we'll say about the CMC's planning guidance is that I mean it, I, I like it it's uh he's bottom line looking at the future and trying to retool the force there's some major changes like, I think the the biggest one would just be like taking away tanks and he's trying but the when I go, I was at command of staff two years ago and uh, at command of staff in the Marine Corps, all the retired commandants, the retired general four stars have a very loud voice. And they came to us and spoke to us and one by one talked about how back in the day, personnel budget was only 30%. And, and when I was two years ago, right when Neller was finishing, they were talking about how it was 60% and how unsustainable that was and how they didn't have the money to buy resources and things that we needed to do our job. And so a lot of the shrinking the force, I don't think he's come out and say this, this is just my opinion, but the bottom line is the budget just didn't make sense anymore. The Marine Corps couldn't do what it needed to do with the huge personnel budget that it had. Um, so he's making the changes that he needs to, to, to remain relevant. And, and I think most of it is goodness in my opinion. I think, uh, and you know, I, we won't talk to this too long because it won't apply to the whole audience, but I think the thing that I love the most is him talking about like revamping education systems and promotion systems. Um, it, it, I, I feel like if we were to sit down with the current commandant, he has that entrepreneurial uh, mindset back there somewhere because so like, if you look at it, he's, he's trying to change uh, education systems to where it's required that your ranking in the class is put on the fit rep when you exit the class, which I think is great because you don't get anything for being the, if you're the, the bottom person at the class who didn't try at all, you graduate and nobody knows that you were the bottom person in your class and then you go up for promotion and, and you know, whatever. But then on the flip side of that, uh, like some of the promotion stuff is, I mean, they're trying to revamp the system to where it's not necessarily a, how many years have you been in this position as a, Hey, how well have you done while you've been in this position? Um, they're trying to look at it from, it's, it's a very different uh, approach. And I, I love looking at it. Cause like, I'm in one of those MOSs like yours on the enlisted side, all the infantry guys where you could be the best dude in the world, but you got six years to wait before you get a chance to even show that you're the best dude in the world. Um, and so I think that's going to open a lot of cool opportunity. Uh, and I don't know how they're going to revamp all that, but I think he's got some pretty cool points in there to try to try to promote the best in the rank or in the, in the job rather than just the best in that time period, which is kind of cool. Yeah. The observed fitness report in school is uh, long overdue. I completely yeah. agree with you. What do you call a medical student who graduates with all C's? A doctor. A doctor. Right, right now, uh, uh, right now, a very high likelihood of being, you know, sick. But anyway, uh, oh man! All right, well, that's. Um, I I don't have any other pressing questions. Normally, I, this is where I would ask about a uh, an you know if an E one or an E two was to walk up to you asking you for advice, but uh, I already wrote your answer down. So, um, uh, it, give me one second. Prepared. I know. I totally spaced opening my my questions. You'd think I'd have them memorized by now, and I'm not even going to edit this part out because I want to show my transparency of <laughs> failure. Uh, oh, yeah. What's a so like? What's a a resource, a book, course, or a website? That normally I ask this for people looking to get into real estate, but like for entrepreneurship or building a business, do you have any uh, books or resources that you really like and recommend? 
You know, honestly, I think most people have read it, but for me, uh, to use a Marine reference, my MCDP one is uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, I just, I take, I take so many things out of that. There, there's a thousand books. Um, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I just listened to the Brian Hamilton podcast that's out there. Um, I, I listen to that if you want to be an entrepreneur. It's only about an hour and 10 minutes of, of content because he just started it. So it's all recent stuff. I mean, he just sold his company for 800 mil. I think 400 of it was his. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff out there. The one book for me that has meant the most has been Rich Dad Poor Dad. And here I thought maybe it would be a different answer since he's not a real estate investor by, no, by, by profession. There's so much goodness in that. I mean, it's just, like, whether he talks about risk, <clears throat> whether he talks about selling yourself. I watched a Pete Carroll podcast and, all, and Pete Carroll, he's the coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And he said the most important thing in life was sales in leadership at sales in entrepreneurship at sales and real estate sales. And you don't always think like that. Uh, but when you're trying to convince people of stuff, it's sales. And I felt like I got some of that out of that book too. Um, but I've, I've found, you know, even as an entrepreneur, you don't have a boss, which is alluring, but you work for your customers, right? You're still in sales. You're, you're always trying to convince somebody of something. And so a lot of takeaways. It just does a good job of taking a really boring subject and making it exciting. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we wrap this up, anything you'd like to add? Any big ideas or parting advice? No, just, uh, you know, work hard. <laughs> Don't be deterred by all the obstacles. And honestly, I think anything's achievable. I'm always, my name's Unique Stuart Scheller. You can find me online, whether you want to watch my YouTube channel or just go to my website. You can get my email. And uh, I am where I'm at because of Marines or military that have gotten out that have helped me out. That's why I'm in globally retail right now. And so any military member with an entrepreneurial idea that has reached out to me, I take the time to stop. I'll meet you face to face if it's possible, but shoot me an email. If I can meet you face to face, I will, and I'll do whatever I can to help. And, uh, and I truly mean that. So please reach out if you've got any questions. Right on. And obviously send all your small man- manufacturing requests to Stu real quick. He can, he can, he can make the trinkets for you. And- you got a cat file, man. Send it over. Yeah. And once again, that's theperfectribbon.com. And uh, I just ordered some. They're awesome. You should check them out. Thank you very much for joining us today, Stuart. Later, Dave. Later, Alex. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.